1: Hey, friendships! Welcome to What Day Is It, aka your digital version
0: of Happy Hour. I'm Bailey. And I'm Jackie. And we're here to bring you that perfect balance of juicy pop culture gossip mixed with valuable AF conversations to level up your life.
1: Think of us as your digital BFS bringing you 100% realness.
0: Yeah, none of that BS. So get ready to laugh, learn, relate, and celebrate not having it all together. P.S. It's not drinking alone if you're listening to What Day Is It who I am today would not be, not to say I was a bad person, but I just, the evolution and the growth I've had and who I've really stepped into and know I wanna be, wouldn't be friends with who I was like three years ago, five years ago, we just wouldn't align.
1: I am so different even a year later. And again, I don't want people to feel bad. I think this takes time. Like it's a process, it's not gonna happen overnight.
0: What's up, friendships? Welcome back to What Day Is It? Your digital version of the happiest of hours. We're so excited to be here today and it's just us. We actually have a very important episode planned for your ear holes and I'm excited to dive into it. Me too. I'm
1: excited. Welcome back to What Day Is It? Yes, it is an important episode. It's been a while, I'd say, since we did almost a whole year since we've done like a really important solo episode. So we are here to bring you some helpful information and to just kind of like keep driving that message home that we got to keep having this conversation that we want to talk about today.
0: Yeah. And we're just going to keep it hundred percent real. Like we've always said, I think it's important to be honest and transparent about our learning process and we're not, or I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I'm sure Jackie's on the same page, but we're not perfect. And like, I have had a lot of learning lessons over the past year, which we're really going to dive into and reflect on and just share like a lot of tangible tips and reflect on the work we've done. But I'm still learning and I'm excited to keep learning, but there's definitely mixed emotions that come with that. And I'm sure something in this episode won't be perfectly said as always, but I think that's kind of what moves the needle the most is having these raw conversations.
1: Yeah, I don't, I think it would be kind of not true for me to say that I'm not nervous to sit here and have this conversation even about this a year later, knowing that I have taken time to educate myself. I'm definitely still nervous, so that's why I think it's important for us to show up here for that exact reason.
0: 100%. And I think it's good for ourselves and our growth, but I also think it's great for anyone listening because I know that those emotions um, for a lot of white people are there and I think that it's important to push past them. So let's get into our weekly segments. We'll start off pretty light and then we'll dive deep into the important shit, but Let's start with What's Poppin', Jackie. Okay,
1: well, this is actually funny because it's my turn to bring What's Poppin' to the table, which if you're new to the podcast, What's Poppin', we bring a pop culture segment every single week and we kind of divulge it. And Bailey wanted to talk about something specifically that I actually don't
0: have a lot of insight
1: in. So it's kind of funny. Well, it's
0: just all over the news and I just have, I don't know what I feel about it.
1: So Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck is quite Bennifer. the top of the town. <laughs> Bennifer. And it's funny because prior to Bailey messaging me saying she wanted to talk about this today, um, a listener, Sarah Singleton, she messaged me being like, pop culture segment, Affleck, you need to talk about it. And I was like, Sarah, I have a confession. Like, I don't really know a ton about it. I was like, please don't ditch me as your digital friend now. Like Sarah I'm just- and
0: I are on the same page.
1: So enlighten me Bailey, I don't I don't know if I was like too young at the time. Give me some
0: <sighs> give me something to work with here. Okay, so well, it was ten years ago, two thousand and one, and they were mo- working on a movie, which apparently was the shittest movie ever. I've never seen it, but I need to interject what? here. I was five years old, so this makes absolute total sense. Okay. Well, you missed an iconic time in pop I culture was five, history. I I didn't even know how to leave. Fucking iconic. Okay. <laughs> you know what? You're how old are you? Um, I would have been eleven. Okay. Okay. But I loved them together. It was just such an iconic moment. Every I feel like everyone was rooting for them. And I definitely never saw them getting back together. I think I will always preface by saying we never know what goes on in the media. So, like, these are just judgmental observations. <laughs> but um, I just feel like their careers have kind of gone differently. Like, he wasn't seen in the best light. And she, I feel like, has thrived. She's glowing. Love me a Jlo moment. But I think... Seeing the reunion, I have like mixed feelings because part of me is just like, oh my God, yes, bring back the 2001 vibes. Loved them together. I feel like this is the hope and the excitement we all need in this time of life. But then I'm also just like, JLo's pretty spiteful right now from the A-Rod shit and I feel like it's great revenge but also is it just a PR stunt because all that we've heard is that they are vacationing together and she's leaning on him so we don't really know but I don't know if Bennifer is a friends with benefits situation or if it's a PR stunt or if it's legit. I would love if it's legit but I think they both have kids now. Maybe they are like better with age and like time and it's all going to make sense but I just... I don't know if I fully buy that, but like we, the 2001 Bailey wants to buy it.
1: Don't kill me, but what is the tea with A Rod and, and Jennifer when JLo? I oh
0: my God, you don't know this? this? Jackie, this is why you need to watch Southern Charm. Okay. It's but, Bravo related. Is it?
1: Yes. Oh, Catherine. No.
0: The Not hit, Catherine. <laughs> Fuck, I'm so disappointed in you. Okay,
1: so. Wait, to like, be fair, I started Southern Charm and I fell off that shit. It's very problematic,
0: that show. It is very problematic, I will say. But it's the last season they've highlighted some good stuff. Thank God. Long story short, going back to Bennifer and the A-Rod thing. So on the Southern Charm, the latest season reunion, one of the girls, Madison. Wait, spoiler, um, was, guys heads up if you're watching or if you. it's want not watch. like yeah it's not super recent but and it has nothing to do with the show like the timeline of the show it's just at the reunion something that comes up um of how jay cutler was dming her and then a very famous very married engaged mlb player was messaging her they never said his name but then obviously it comes out that it was a rod and JLo catches wind of it. And so he was essentially cheating on J Lo with <gasps> this girl from Southern Charm.
1: Is this yeah. like so she found out, oh. I hate yeah. people sometimes. Why was this girl talking about it when it has nothing to do with the show on the on the reunion? She really just wanted some clout.
0: You know how people, when they're feuding, they'll bring mm-hmm. up shit that's not from the show just to like make them look bad. So that kind of was what brought up. And then she started defending herself. Um, but I honestly was really rooting for A-Rod and J-Lo because I liked them. I feel like she just deserves a guy who's going to treat her like gold, but I don't know. They were together for a long
1: time, too.
0: A couple years, I think, yeah.
1: And how is it just coincidentally that when this rumor starts, they break up? That's just... So it has to be kind of true. That's where my first instinct takes me, but you also never know what's going on behind
0: the scenes. I don't know. It was... If you watched The Reunion, it definitely was, like... Because she she read or let Andy read the DMs. They never said who it was, but, like, it was there, so.
1: Interesting. Okay, so we are thinking that J-Lo's getting back with Ben Affleck. Kind of, like, a nostalgia thing, but, like, she might be trying to get back at A-Rod.
0: Well, I mean what girl's not going to try and get a little bit of revenge if she's been cheated on? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. let the spite roll. I don't know. Yeah. So, but like also I think it's probably good press. I'm sure that they've kept in touch at some point or who knows if they have, but I mean, I just think everyone's like, this is Y2K is back in pop culture and fashion. Like we're just here for any Y2K moment. So I think this is just like the icing on the cake.
1: Was Ben Affleck good to Jennifer? Why do I keep calling her Jennifer? Her name's G-Lo. Like, come on, Jackie.
0: Um, I don't know. I honestly, I I mean, I was pretty young that I didn't really know like the ins and outs of their relationship. They were just like a very iconic couple at the time. Um, And I didn't know much about him. I just loved her. So I'm lolling. This is very, this is very chuggy of you. Why? Because,
1: <laughs> okay, this term has been circulating around. I think we talked about it on our last podcast we did with erica and when you're chuggy you're just like it's
0: you're very like in the past
1: (laughs) so this is very chuggy bailey um
0: that's not the definition i've heard of chuggy but anyways we're getting very off topic i've okay i heard like chuggy is like basic uh
1: okay well i read a few yes yes like Chugi likes to watch Friends and The Office, yes, and
0: all day. Rose, like yeah, The Office, shit like that, like yes. very basic millennial stuff. And I've read that it's
1: also like out of date or like in the past kind of vibe. But take that with a grain of salt. Do your research <laughs> about what Chugi is. If you've seen this term ter- circulating around, I feel like it's a very new term. So <laughs> let's do our shower thought. <laughs> okay, it's the thought. It's the thoughts. It's
0: the it's thoughts, the thoughts we, have we have in the in shower. The shower Show shower thoughts. thoughts. Okay. I had one that was really dumb and just made me laugh, but it's like literally nothing special. So I'm not going to do that one. I feel like it's not good for this episode, anyways. But this one, I've always wondered. And I just would like to know. Why do accents disappear when someone sings? Hmm. Why do British That's a singers great question. sound the same as American singers? Where does the accent go? That is so interesting, right?
1: Um, <laughs> I feel like though, oh, see, I'm trying to think now. When you're in like say if you listen to an Irish song, is it just the music that has the kind of the Irish feel?
0: Yeah, I think it's the music that has that. Like, the actual words don't really... You can kind of... Ed Sheeran is a good example where you can kind of hear it. Like, you can... In some of his words. But Adele... Right. She sounds American. Or or Americans, like... It doesn't really necessarily sound like one language... Like, one dialect, I guess. But it... They all sound the same. So I'm like, right. What's happening here?
1: Because Dermot has a an accent as well, right? Yeah, he's Irish. So prime example... But I can't, you're right. I can hear a little. You, you do think, oh, okay, there's definitely some European accent in here, but you're, you're not quite able
0: to like pinpoint what it is because it's not some, that loud. yeah. Not, not everyone. Like Ed Sheeran's one where you can definitely hear it, but there's Spice Girls. Yeah. Very mainstream, no accent. What happened? Because Scary Spice will like be busting
1: out a ballad and then she'll like stop and pause and be like, come on. And then it'll, her accent's there.
0: And there's five of them, all five of their accents are yeah. gone. So, Riddle me that.
1: Side note, I watched Spice Up Your Life recently. Have you seen that
0: movie in a while? Uh, Probably like a year ago. It is so weird. There's absolutely no storyline, and I used to be obsessed with that movie. My favorite part is when they're doing the stadium performance and the guys with the butt cheeks just randomly. Do you remember the part where there's
1: aliens? Yep. Like, that movie truly has no no direction and it's so funny and i used to be obsessed they were
0: capitalizing off their moment and i respect him for it (laughs) it's a classic movie but yeah definitely no no storyline
1: friendships i cannot link a direct link to it but i did watch it on youtube and it was split up into like 13 parters on youtube (laughs) and i will link that little playlist for you so you guys can watch it It, the the image is awful the sound is awful but it was very nostalgic commitment
0: yeah commitment (laughs) okay let us get into this episode we've got lots to dive into so as you can tell from the title of this episode we're really kind of reflecting on the past year this week is a year anniversary of the murder of george well not sorry not this week next week the 25th is a Year anniversary of the murder of George Floyd so we really wanted to continue the conversation but not put the responsibility on a guest we wanted to kind of reflect and share our stories what we've been doing what we've been learning so yeah how are you feeling kind of coming up on all this Jack
1: Yeah I think Bailey and I have been doing a lot of reflecting behind the scenes and keeping that conversation going and I've been doing that with my friends and my family as well so I just thought it'd be we thought it'd be good to do a follow-up episode and kind of divulge everything we've learned and and just keep that conversation going because it is so important and I've been feeling like confused how it's already been a year and it's been so quick but I don't know my heart's been feeling a little bit heavy more recently and that's because our dear friend shaughnessy schroeder has gone through some stuff that i've learned recently where her brother's been the victim of of being shot on a wellness check and so prior to that maybe you would have asked me and i would have said that i'm feeling good about change and i feel like we're moving in the right direction but things like that really set me back so my current headspace is really confused. I don't know. What is your like current headspace, Bailey?
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to feel hopeful that we are moving in the right direction. I definitely understand that there's not one thing that's going to happen overnight and it's going to be fixed. Like, we're working with a system that's built on the foundation of, like, white supremacy. So I think I have a realistic viewpoint on that, I guess, which can be draining sometimes. And I want to say... We understand that we live in privilege and mm-hmm. I I don't want anything I'm saying to, I just want anybody listening to know that I understand that I have privilege. I don't have this as bad as anybody who's BIPOC, but I am just, I'm not going to say that with every sentence that I speak in this episode, just because you'll end up hearing that a thousand times. Right. So just please know that listening, but I'm just going to speak from my heart and like how I'm feeling, but I do feel drained sometimes by that because it's hard to not see the needle move and to see, and I'm a huge, huge empath, like huge. And I think it's only skyrocketed this past year. So it's really hard to see, especially like see like someone who's so close to us and it doesn't make it more of an important situation than any other situation going on. But when it's someone close to you, it does just hit differently. Mm -hmm. And so my heart has been so heavy for her. I've been trying to check in on her, but also know that she needs space and, just anybody who's listening, totally separate. If you can go follow her or check out her, not even follow her, just check out her resources. And like she's got a post up and just explains what happened to her brother, Gregory. Um, He, long story short, was on um, having a mental health breakdown. His mom called because he was suicidal and ended up getting shot four times when that is not what should happen when someone's calling for help to save someone's life. Um, So, yeah there's she's got called actions and ways to support the family so if you can just check that out that would be incredible please but the emails are actually doing something they
1: have already tried to offer their family i wouldn't say a solution at all they're just counter offering and i don't even know if that's the right term they have basically tried to say they are lowering the charge when Gregory shouldn't be charged at all, but the emails are actually doing something to a point where that they called the family and we're trying to work something out. It's not enough, but it's just kind of a a good sign to see that sending an email actually does something.
0: Yeah. And I feel like we could talk a lot about it, but Shaughnessy has a video that really explains it from her family. Um, so I would just encourage you to go check that out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. I feel like every day is a lot of, to process, especially just being in a pandemic and like still, especially for Canadians were on the more lockdown quarantine side, depending where you live. Um, so it's still a lot to process on top of that. And yeah, but looking back at the last year, like, how have you felt watching things unfold in like the news and the social i want to kind of touch on that for both of us like when it first the news first broke and like the momentum started building for black lives matter like do you kind of remember that and how was that different now
1: um so yeah rewind a year when the news First broke to be honest, back then I probably would have shared a post and then kind of carried on with my life before all of this happened. To be completely honest, the Black Lives Matter movement kind of um, uncovered a new layer of the world that I didn't really know, and I've learned a lot in the past year. It's kind of scary. I think 2020 was a really important year for a lot of us, just politically. I think I'm, like, this past year, I don't know. I've felt a lot of pressure to kind of show up, but in a good way. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think...
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's challenging you.
1: Yes, definitely. And I still feel like, oh, I don't know. It's a really heavy feeling having any sort of following and just feeling like a pressure to post or like say the right thing. And I guess I probably even feel like nervous now saying that. Cause like,
0: okay, we're going to get into cancel culture and we're going to get into all of that. And also friendships, we're going to do a podcast on the demand on influencers to be news reporters, because this is something I'm very passionate about. And I've just really, I feel like found my not not found my voice but I've really like decided on my voice in it because I've just felt like I need to please people because I am a people pleaser so we're gonna do a roundtable on that with a couple former guests so that's coming um but yeah this past like I just remember being so ignorant to it and like yeah it was such a shock to the system and I know it shouldn't have been a shock to the system but like I grew I am very privileged still and I grew up very privileged of like not having to learn that and this might be the wrong thing to say and I will so welcome someone correcting me in it I'm not saying it out of like ill intention or anything but just I didn't have a lot of black people in my community growing up so I feel like that did have probably an effect on my like sheltering and my ignorance it's not an excuse I think that we should still be learning about those things and I wish I had but I think that is something that I have to, like, I've reflected on and I've had to own that as part of my upbringing and why I was so ignorant. Um, but yeah, it took time for me to kind of process everything that was happening. And initially I felt like I was very bandwagony and kind of like sharing things just to share them. I was still consuming it, but I felt like it was kind of that thing where I was doing a hundred different things and couldn't do one thing well. And like, I couldn't retain things because I was burning out trying to do it all to, please people or to make sure that I was doing something. And I do remember the first message that I ever posted. I posted on my own accord. No one asked me to do it. It wasn't even really like it was obviously gaining some momentum because that's how I saw it. But it wasn't at that point where it was like if you weren't saying something, it was being you're being called in. So I am glad that I kind of had that gut instinct of like this is really fucked up. But then I think it's natural when the content you're consuming starts spiraling and it's all that you're expected to do is just
1: Mm
0: -hmm. post something and to like kind of check a box off. So I had to really at some point kind of step back and be like, how is this helping? And we've talked about this on other episodes and I just do think that it's so important to have your why especially with these kind of conversations and topics because if you're just throwing up shit to put it up there to not get canceled you're not even absorbing or really even doing the work in yourself to realize it so that when those offline moments come up and you see something wrong you're going to be unconscious because you're acting unconsciously you're not going to see it or step in or do the work that really matters so that's kind of like how I was versus I feel like how I am now. Yeah. I think, yeah.
1: Like when I look back, I can go into my archives and see all the posts I made last June and I'm like, Hmm, like, am I glad I shared those? Yes. Because I do have a platform, but could I have been more intentional with the way I was sharing them? Yes. And so now how I approach it is I try and like save things and read them a few days in a row and do my own googling and research before i share something because i feel like that's very important than just reading one one carousel post and then posting it so yes i've changed in that way too um like honestly last june before this conversation i probably would have like used the excuse that i'm mixed and that i'm not racist and that's so embarrassing to think i would even think that way now i'm definitely privileged I come from a lot of privilege. I have white passing. People think I'm white. So yeah, I mean, this last year has taught me a lot, which we'll also dive into.
0: You've also had microaggressions thrown your way. I will say, or like, been, I would say fetish, fetishized. Why? I can't say that word. Fetish. What? Can you help yeah. me out, please? Fetishized? 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 Fetishized. Anyways, you understand what we're trying to say. Um, I yeah. do agree, though, like, and I appreciate you owning the fact that you have privilege. Um, But I I also don't want to overlook the fact that, like, I'm sure you've experienced things too, because I do think that's important. So I just think that we're all learning and growing, and this past year has been a lot. And, I mean, we had a conversation offline that really kind of, I think, inspired this whole episode. And I was looking back and just really kind of – I've been processing this for, like, the past year, but, like, just shameful and felt so much guilt, and that is mine to process. That is not on anyone else, but of just things that maybe I have said. I don't even know for sure because I don't remember... I can barely remember yesterday sometimes, but, like, I definitely know that at some point in my life i have said something out of ignorance that would have been racist i don't think that means i'm racist i think we can do racist things and not be racist but just who i am now and the growth and the learning that i've done knowing that i lived life like that before and was hurting people or doing harmful things makes like i felt so sick to my stomach so that's why i think it's so important that we own that and know that we can change and become better people yeah it's it's
1: quite embarrassing but that's kind of the only way how we move forward and i think like on top of all of this in 2020 we were dealing with and i'm not even gonna say the person's name we were dealing with a political leader who made it okay to show these kinds of feelings so that was really hard and scary but in a way i'm thankful because now i know who i don't want to associate myself with and now we're in this time where where those things are so important and we start to see in brands and businesses how important this is and i'm hopefully hopefully it'll transition into like corporations being more diverse with their recruiting and all of that but looking back on 2020 i can't wait to tell my kids about this year like and, and look back at how much, how far we've come because it was a crazy year of change and transition and really sad for a lot of people. And yeah, I, I, I mean, we still have a lot, a long way to go, but mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I want to talk about how we started learning, like what we were consuming and kind of like where and who we were learning from. Cause I think that's important. maybe people who are still continuing or it'll be great resources for them like obviously social media I think was a big tool for both of us I do want to say that social media was I would say the doorman for me and then I would go into the building and do my own research and use google and articles and make sure I was getting news from credible sources because you just don't always know where social media is coming from. And obviously fake news is a huge thing. Um, So that was something that was really big for me. But I think even just offline conversations were a huge tool in my growth and just even like my own emotional processing to make sure that I could absorb the education that I was seeking out because I think if we have internal blocks or if we aren't able to process our own emotions like anything in life I don't think that the work is as impactful Mm -hmm.
1: yeah social media was a huge tool for me and honestly having those conversations outside as well with you with friends with my family was really important and it just opened up the conversation so, so many different ways and I think like what's been really helpful for me in my learning is to kind of, like, I I bounce ideas off of my friends or family or, like, you, for example. Like, if I think something might be politically incorrect or hurt someone, I think just, like, running it by a few people before you share it is really important.
0: I do that all the time. I, I think... For a couple reasons i think out of fear to be totally honest because i think cancel culture is so toxic right now and just real um and i also am still learning and so i want to be intentional about what i share with an audience and i think that there's no shame in that i think that means that you care and i think that's important and i think that people will always have a different lens than you and a different perspective in even if it's just in micro ways and they can maybe help share or have a conversation that you didn't think of. And yeah, no, I I think that's great that you do that. Yeah. And um, another
1: thing is just like diversifying my feed has been really important to me. A year ago, I think I followed all white thin influencers. Because that's just like what I resonated with. That's definitely like a societal thing that's been kind of like instilled in me. So now diversifying my feed has really helped see those different bodies, different skin types. And then those accounts in turn post things that I learn from and stuff like that, which we'll dive into more specific accounts soon. But diversifying my feed was huge for me
0: yeah wait I want to talk about diversifying your feed because I definitely did this and I like jumped on a bandwagon I feel like with this of following all those creators that we saw um who were like BIPOC voices really educating and I remember this was right when it took off and I remember getting a call from a friend who's an influencer and I really appreciate her I'm not gonna say her name because I don't know if she would want me to but um not that it's bad or anything, but. I appreciated the call so much because she's very much like me she's very positive really looks on like the optimistic side like wants to help people and her and i've been talking about it and i just felt like the way that some of that was coming across it was great information it was very eye-opening and like definitely teaching a lot but it was in a way that was a bit too direct for me to absorb and do with because it's just not how i learn. like i it was yeah, it was just too direct. Like I just I needed something a little softer, like um, uncomfortable conversations with a black man, where there was like a little bit more of a safe space, I guess. So she called me up and she just kind of was like, "Listen, like I'm really deciding to step away from this. I think that you're someone who's very much like me, and I just think you should consider it because I've seen what a mental health toll it's taken on me, and I wasn't even aware of the mental health toll it was taking on me at the time until she kind of mentioned it. So I diversified my feed at first and. S- a way that is very different from the way my feed is diversified now like right and i i would encourage people to kind of look at that as well because i think that diversifying your feed can still be in a way that protects your mental health because we always say like you choose the content you consume but like just follow bipoc fashion influencers there's so many incredible ones um or follow like if you're into wellness like follow a bipoc naturopath or look at BIPOC businesses that you want to support. I don't think it has to be those educational ones if they're not resonating with you. So I just wanted to share that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's so important to highlight too, is that you have to find what works for you or else it's not gonna stick or it's not gonna resonate with you. Cause I don't think I'm I'm like Bailey, where I need it to be like a softer message. Like for me, I I think I need more in your face kind of like what would be a good term? In your face content. To really like resonate with me whereas Bailey might need it to be like a little more I'd say like come from an emotional side for Bailey or like softer like you said I need more passion behind their messaging I think for it to really resonate with me personally so I don't think it's, it's passion because pra- I think
0: that the softer combos still have passion like I think all by is passionate I think it's just directness I think it's just it's taking the softness out of it you know what I mean I just think it's direct yes that is the better word and that doesn't I can get it. Listen, like I I could read and I do sometimes still go to those accounts. I just don't follow them. And I will take a look through because I think that there's value in it. But for everyday consumption, it does wear me down a little bit because I am very emotional. So I do need that softness to be able to, like I said, when you can't do the inner work, I don't think it's as impactful. So for me, that's just how I learn and I know what works. So I just encourage everybody to kind of reflect on that and see what works for you. But I want to share some of the things that like we consume that or like accounts that we consume that really helped us. So for me, I read White Fragility. We did a book club on that. And I think it was such a great tool. Um, All the uncomfortable conversations with black man, IGTVs, those are probably my favorite resource. And he was someone, Emmanuel, who I just loved learning from. He really created that safe space, but wasn't afraid to ask like, hard-hitting questions and give honest answers um this one might be controversial but taylor nolan she taught me a lot can't deny that so if you don't want to follow her that's totally fine but i'm just going to be honest with how i learned um avery francis i think she's great shit you should care about so you want to talk about those are both great accounts to follow not even just just for any topic. um, I Again, I encourage you to go do your own information after anything from social media. Um, but yeah, those were like kind of more direct accounts that I could direct you to.
1: Yes. And I had a couple of those on my list as well. Like, so you want to talk about is such an important one. Shit you should care about. Again, such an important one. Dear Asian Youth, Shaughnessy Schroeder, Shayla Stonechild. Um, I think some. Oh gosh,
0: obviously Shayla. How did I not say her? Right.
1: I think sometimes for me is like I get lost sometimes in BIPOC and I and I like not intentionally this is literally just me calling myself out I kind of don't put a lot of focus on indigenous education and I need to be better with that and Shayla is a really good account for that and mm-hmm. there's also a few I have followed so I actually don't know them off the top of my head but I can 100% link them today for you guys that are very educational and literally commit so much of their Instagram to educating people for free Um, another really good resource for me that really got the ball rolling was 13th documentary on Netflix it's still there Um, we talked about it in our last episode but I think that is a really important one for you to watch initially to fully understand how deep and how complex this all runs Um, 1619 podcast I talked about this on the last podcast we did as well it really divulges the history of slavery and I think that one's important to understand time the Cleef Browder story also talked about it on the last podcast but I think that one's so important because it highlights that just a lot I honestly don't want to say I just want you to go watch it I cried watching that and I think that's just one story so I think that's really important but there's so many other series on Netflix that we've talked about in the past Black AF
0: when they see us Dear White People all of those are really good resources. Dear White People is a really good one if you want something light-hearted like a tv show but like they just really address a lot of great things. Also, this might be controversial, but I've learned a lot from Jillian Harris and just how she is changing and diversifying her brand and how um, kind of like, I guess more inspired, I would say, as to like how she owns when she fucks up or says the wrong thing. And that's really something that I I think I've done that since the beginning. Like, when I remember when we had our podcast with Shayla and she's like, yeah, teepees. Like, I was like, oh, fuck, I have one of those. But I just remember going on my stories and like owning it and saying that. And I had so many people reach out being like, oh my God, I have one too. I'm going to get rid of it. Or like, wait, do you think like this? And I was like, don't ask me. I was like, go do your research. Like, I'm not I'm not going to tell you what's right and what's wrong. You need to like do the work. But I just, that's something that I continue to want to share. And that's why like I've really stepped into, if I see a thread not re, or a carousel not resharing it, I want to talk about it and like use my face. And I think that if more people did that, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I just think that would really yeah normalize the conversation a bit more. Yeah. If you're not open to
1: sharing your face as much when you talk about those things you can still write something just as powerful I think and have people read it like maybe you're not comfortable actually speaking on your stories and that's okay too or maybe you like to do things behind the scenes more and you don't like to be as public that is also okay too as long as you're doing something we're not judging people who don't do those things
0: no for sure I just think that a lot of people have gotten comfortable in the past year of just posting a carousel maybe not even this is where I think I get a little bit irked. People ask people to donate. They ask people to swipe up and sign something when they haven't done that themselves. Right. And I will never do that. I will never ask someone to donate money that I haven't donated to. And I have in the past, I will say that, but this past year I've really, it's just something that I will not do anymore. And I see so many people getting comfortable and relying in that. And like, they're calling that doing the work. And to me, that's not doing the work. So I think I just want this to be something to challenge people to maybe, and I'm not, I'm not getting, uh, like I, I'm not trying to lead with shame or anything. I understand it, I've done it. Like it, it, it's easy to do. I just want this to maybe be something that challenges you to reflect on like why you're sharing something, that's all.
1: Yeah, and like like we said, don't feel like, just walk away from sharing that then and and have an open dialogue conversation with someone in your
0: life. Like just do one real thing versus just the post. That's all we're saying. There's no, there's no one right way to do this. This isn't a one size fits all situation. Everyone is going to be different. Not everyone's going to want to share their face on social media and talk about it. I Mm -hmm. get it. I just think that you have to do new things that are maybe a little uncomfortable because if you look back a year, I'm sure sharing a carousel was uncomfortable, but now if that's comfortable and you're relying on that, it's time to keep growing. Totally. I think for like maybe there might be some confusion
1: if you're listening and you're like, you're, you're feeling like pressure from us. I hope that's not the case. I think where we come from is, and I hate when I even say this, but I have a platform And it's very small, but I do have a platform. So I do feel it's my responsibility to share publicly. And Bailey, you have a platform and I think you feel that way. But if you don't have one, you don't have to do that as long as you're doing those other steps. Just don't feel pressure from us. That's the only thing I don't want.
0: Yeah, no, I don't want you to feel pressure, but I also think everybody's voice matters in situations like these. I don't think it matters if it's a hundred people is your platform or if it's a hundred thousand. Um, and it, this isn't to be pressuring. I totally agree with Jackie and what she's saying there. I just think that these conversations have to, they have to challenge you and I'm not afraid to do that. And so, and I, I've had people challenge me and I will always, always, always challenge in a way of compassion and kindness and i want that to be what leads it and i think that there's a lot of maybe challenges that aren't led that way or just um accountability and so we we say all of this with like the biggest hearts and like we love our friendship so much and we know that you're probably doing incredible work and it doesn't have to be exactly what we're saying just keep doing the work so Okay, I want to actually talk about what we've learned because I think this is so important for white people to share. Um, And it's been a year, so I hope we've learned quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, for me, I've got a huge list here and maybe we can just kind of each share something and dive into it a little bit. This podcast might be kind of long, but um, it's important. So for me, I think one of the first things I started learning was microaggressions. Um, and just kind of realizing that you're so well-spoken can be a huge microaggression for BIPOC people. And I say that so much. So that has been a huge one for me to kind of be aware of. And I say, I don't say that just to BIPOC people. I say that to anybody who impresses me when they speak, because sometimes I feel like I sound like a babbling idiot. So I'm just, when someone is very well-spoken, I'm just like, wow, I wish I could sound like that. But I understand why. It is a microaggression, and that is because BIPOC people are often seen as not intellectual or educated, um, and that's all from systemic racism. So that was, I think, something that really stood out to me within microaggressions. Yes,
1: um, I agree with that. I recently... Okay, so this is something I've been kind of struggling with, I'd say, for an entire year, and... So I think something I've learned is that I can't feel this sense of like, and I'm going to make sure I word this properly or fuck, I probably won't, but I can't feel this sense of like feeling bad for BIPOC. And I've struggled with that in this past year where like I want to say things like, I feel for you, like I'm sorry you're feeling that way. And so I've been really trying to figure out ways how to challenge that way of thinking and instead like, put my money where my mouth is and one of my favorite things that i've learned recently was from glenn she was on the podcast i'll link it for you guys she said she doesn't want people to feel bad for her she wants people to ride for her and like be right up there with her and that's something i've been trying to be better at instead of just saying those words of like i'm
0: angry for you i have a follow-up go ahead question and i'm gonna sound i'm gonna sound like a therapist Mm-hmm. do you and this is for anybody listening it's not just for you Jackie do you think that when you feel bad and this is something I've noticed with myself do you think when you feel bad for BIPOC people or you want to say those things that you feel bad for them or you feel guilty guilty
1: in like my right my white privilege for sure
0: yeah that is something that I've had to learn and it's been I'm still processing it and i I've had so much guilt, so much shame. And I think that that's where a lot of that stems from. And it took me a really long time to realize that. Yeah. But I think we also have to... If you are someone who is doing the work, if you are someone who is a true ally and is getting uncomfortable, I think we also do need to give ourselves a little bit of grace. Um, And I wrote down this quote from Brene Brown because it really spoke to me but it says shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change and i just think that if we're shaming ourselves or if we're leading with guilt or constantly feeling like i don't know i just think that we have to process those emotions and not project them onto bipoc which i think a lot of us have done and that's must be so exhausting for them so yeah yeah I, you're not alone in that
1: yeah I've really had to try and um when I hear stories like with Shaughnessy's brother I try and now like really absorb them and take them in and not do that instant empathy feel sad for them like I can't I they don't want that from us they're already sad enough they need other stuff from us and like yes you can feel that way but I think like saying those things to them puts it kind of on them again and they don't need that so that is something i'm working on actively and i've been working on it for a year and it's really hard coming from just the person who i am
0: no i feel that yeah i mean i think i will say i think shaughnessy is a little different just because like that's so direct to us it's like a really close friend of ours and i think it's natural to feel sad or want to check in on someone i mean she could feel so different and that's so fair if she does yeah um but i think for us we or at least else be for myself, when this all first started the past year, like I would see a black person and I would want to like literally say like, I see you. But like that's out of my guilt. That's out of my internalized guilt. Right. So it's mm-hmm. only serving me. It's not serving them. But yeah, I think that's been a huge lesson. Um, I also just think the power of words have been huge for me. Um, and BLM really kind of was a catalyst for that. And I think we've really shared that with how we were intentional in changing our cute but psycho segment to cute but cringe. It's just something I'm way more aware of. Like, even now, I've have ha- I've always had a habit of saying, oh, my God, did I miss that or am I just blind? Or, like, was it there or am I blind? Did I miss it? And now I'm even, like, questioning that myself. And I'm like, that is probably not a great thing to say. So I think it's just... it's a lot of unconscious things that I've done my whole life that become habits. And now I'm just tuning into it more and being more aware. Um, Because yeah, words that you don't even think about as they come out of your mouth can be so impactful to somebody else. Oh my God. Yeah. Like to, to jump off of, (laughs) that is not the term. To piggyback
1: off what Bailey said, I brought a shower thought to the table. I'd say like a month or two ago and it was, it was It was making a lighthearted remark about blind people. And like, thankfully, I had Bailey there to hold me accountable because, wow, like I was just so ignorant. And so then we chose not to air that shower thought. Thankfully, Bailey was like, I don't think it's, I don't think we should. And thank you for that. Because a year ago,
0: though, I wouldn't have thought
1: anything about it. Right. And so, like, in that situation, I felt kind of like upset with myself. I was kind of beating myself up, being like, how did I not see that? But then I walked away from it and I like brought it up with my mom and sister at like a family thing because I wanted to talk about it and like share it and like, you know, share my learning. But I do agree with you the power of words like in the past and I'm just giving specific examples. So hopefully maybe it kind of enlightens you to some of these things that you do. I used to say all the time like, oh, like crackhead energy. Like oh. and I I'm so embarrassed
0: That I would say. I said that on my stories one day, and I had a very kind friendship reach out to me in my DMs, and I I said a snack was um, I was like it's like crack, and it it is it's it's hard because when when someone shares a learning opportunity with you, for me anyways, my initial reaction is embarrassment. I just get so embarrassed. I'm like fuck, how could I have done that? And that takes, it takes me a minute to work through that so then I can actually look at it and be like, okay, I can do better and I can actually turn this into a positive. I don't think that those moments have to be negatives as long as we take them and learn from them. But I think a lot of us get defensive, we get embarrassed, and if the embarrassment can go two ways, I feel like. The embarrassment can go on to defense or it can become an opportunity to learn, and Mm -hmm. Not everyone takes the opportunity to learn, which I think is where we need to go to have the change. I think the defensiveness is just so natural because Mm -hmm. our identity has been challenged this past year as good people. And it's something I've also had to process is if if we're built on the system of privilege and white supremacy, and does that mean every single thing that you've done in your life has made you a bad person, all those little things that could have been microaggressions or... Um, internalized racism or whatever it was. And I again, that's where I think that if you are someone who's doing the work and actively looking for ways to move the needle and change, we do need to give ourselves some some grace because you can't change the past. If you're going to dwell on that, we're not going to create change. We're just going to go in circles. And you're, this is kind of blunt and harsh, but like your internalized embarrassment isn't going to help anyone. Right. It's not even going to help you. It's going to hurt you and you're going to end up sad. And I mean, I'm saying this as someone who's felt all of these things and I just want to do things that are going to help society and it's not one person who's going to help it. It's all of us. So, and I don't want anyone to suffer that mental health either because it's fucking sucks. So just, Give yourself some grace in those moments and just, if you need a beat, take a step back. You don't have to respond to someone right away. Just maybe, and I'm saying this about the people who reach out nicely and we're going to talk about cancel culture because is a whole other thing, but yeah, I just, I don't know if that made any sense. No, no, it did. I forgot what I just said.
1: <laughs> we were talking about the power of words and yeah. yeah. Um, we were also talking about like specifics we've learned and th- I don't, yeah, like sp- sharing those specific things are just kind of to give you an insight of some, some of the small things you don't even know. And like, now I use the word, the term partner, which before I would, my in- inner biases would just automatically think that a male and a female were boyfriend and girlfriend.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Same. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's all learning and i still have a lot to learn and I will still mess up. And well, yes,
1: we're literally in our first year. This is like. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to say something so wrong in this episode and listen a year from now and and be so
0: upset with myself. So... 100%. It's a long road ahead of us. I think also something we wanted to say in this episode was like, we know that in our past episodes, there's likely going to be something that we said wrong. No, there is. There's not likely. There is. Yeah. and I, But I truly believe that you and I haven't said anything that is like literally detrimental or like super harmful because I don't believe that's who we are. I think it's just... L- microaggressions or things like 90% of our episodes say psycho in them but mm. for us we want to show the evolution of learning and how how you can change and we want to own that we don't want to just erase it because I think that just shows and encourages other people that have made mistakes in their past that they can also still show up in a better way um yeah did I say that correctly as to what we want to do? To yeah, like
1: uh I think it's important to note that we aren't doing this up because someone said something. Like we're not we're not no. being reactive. Cause I think maybe people might think that. We're we're trying to be
0: we're trying to take responsibility. Yeah, and we've always wanted to be proactive. Like we we want to take we want to call ourselves in, we want to take the accountability. That's like why we changed cute to cute but cringe. It's not someone else's responsibility. Yeah. to hold us accountable. We want to hold ourselves accountable. Yeah. So yeah, and that, that's why we share this with you and why we we know we're going to say things wrong, but we're we're pushing through that discomfort. We're showing up because I think that and I probably already said this in this episode, but that is how change happens is when we all come together and we all learn together.
1: Yeah. Um another thing I've learned that I kind of wanted to touch on was i think i get like like i mentioned earlier i kind of forget the umbrella that BIPOC covers and i think i'm not alone in that like there's the aapi community there's the indigenous community and i think like maybe you hear diversify your feed and we say go follow black creators but there's so many other communities we need to support as well so do that I have like some specifics uh, but I just don't really want to dive into them I think like it's just really important to understand especially if you're Canadian the history of the racism towards indigenous communities here I think that's something I've also paid attention to in the last year especially
0: because it's like right here absolutely like when I said that we didn't or that I didn't grow up with a lot of black people around me we grew up with tons of indigenous people around me and like Mm -hmm. the tons of other BIPOC people. So like that isn't an excuse. That was just my kind of initial realization. Um, but it's so important and I would encourage our friendships if they haven't already to go listen to our episode with Shayla, especially if you're Canadian. I think it's important for anybody to listen to. But if you haven't listened and you're Canadian, we really dive into um, indigenous racism and kind of the system in place there. Um, systemic racism is a huge thing I learned this year. And just how the systems are literally set up to fail BIPOC people from healthcare to jobs to education like everything um there's I'll find the video that's an IGTV it's not too long but it's very comprehensive of how systemic racism works and I think it would be great to relink and share for our friendships um in case they haven't seen it but that was very eye-opening to me because again I live in privilege I've never had to think of it I've always been like, well, I'm someone who works hard and I've like really created a future for myself. And that's, I see these comments and I see a lot of people dissect these saying that, or white people saying like, well, I've worked hard too. How is it more important if someone who BIPOC and I'm not saying this cause like I, I definitely get the difference, but no one is saying you haven't worked hard. We're just saying that the doors have been open for you to work hard to Mm -hmm. go through whereas like like working hard is a privilege if you think about it because BIPOC people don't have the opportunity to work hard to get through those doors so that was a huge huge learning lesson for me yes do you have any more points you want to cover um oh gosh I mean there's so many things I've learned I don't think we can cover it all in this episode I'll like spit some out without going into detail on all of them but like how fat phobia is rated, rooted in racism, um, just biases that I've had, um, like grouping minorities together or just thinking they all share the same voice. Mm-hmm. Like they're not monolith, um, stereotypes and just things like that. Um, and then also just something I've even realized recently is a lot of these tougher conversations that we've had on this podcast have only been with BIPOC people. Why is it on them to be our guest and explain that? And so it's, it's an evolution. It's always going to be an evolution of learning and realizing these things. And that's why I say, be patient with yourself, but just commit to it. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon as cliche as that is. Um, okay. This is going on long, but what else have we talked about? We kind of talked about like our growth and our mistakes. I mean, again I just think it's something that will continue to happen and like who I am today would not be not to say I was a bad person but I just the evolution and the growth I've had and who I've really stepped into and know I want to be wouldn't be friends with who I was like three years ago five years ago we just wouldn't align I am so different even a year later and again I don't want people to
1: feel bad I think this takes time Like, it's a process.
0: It's not going to happen overnight. I think there are 100% people who are incredibly racist. Just, there, unfortunately, there are those people in this world. But I do believe there are people, and this can kind of segue into our convo about cancel culture. I believe there are people, though, who have done something racist who aren't racist. And I think that we need to hold them accountable for those actions um because i 100 i have done racist things in my past because i i don't i didn't know what i know today and that is again like brings up that white shame and that guilt but like i'm i'm holding myself accountable for that i want to do better and that's all that i can control at this point in my life so that's what i'm focusing on okay friends We are so excited to share with you our first featured BIPOC brand. This month for May, we've chosen Fair Jewelry. They are a small, one Asian woman-run business out of Vancouver, BC. Not only that, but they focus on creating quality, eco-friendly jewelry from upcycled and recycled materials, which is just so damn cool.
1: And they don't stop there. They donate $5 for all orders over $100 and 2% of ceremony orders to the environment through the David Suzuki Foundation.
0: You have got to go check out the Cecilia hoops. I've had my eye on them. They are like the chunky gold hoop that everyone's loving, but they've got cool detailing that makes them not so basic and plus they're sustainable. So win-win. And if you
1: guys have been a What Day Is a listener for a long time, you know that I love my hoops, so I've been eyeing up the New York hoops, which are made to order. Another thing that really caught my eye about Fair Jewelry is that all their gemstones are conflict-free and ethically sourced, and we have got a code for you.
0: Friendships to save 12% off your order, you're going to go to fairjewelry.ca. That is F A I R jewelry, J E W E L R Y.ca. And you're going to enter the code W D I I, all capitals, the number 12 at checkout to save 12% off your order.
1: Remember, this is a small, one Asian woman run business out of Vancouver. It is local and upcycled and recycled materials. Happy shopping, friendships.
0: Okay, I want to talk about council culture, though, because I just think that I have learned a lot about it in the past couple months, and I just am really fucking over it. Um, and I'm not saying I'm overholding people accountable, because, again, I think that there are some, there's so many different types of people in this world, but there's just some that, like, thou who shall not be named um all of his followers and that whole political group or party whatever you want to call it Mm. it's Mm -hmm. problematic but also I don't want to group every single person into something like I'm not saying if you are on that political party you're problematic I can't I don't know every single person on that party so I can't make that judgment but I just lost my train of thought
1: (laughs) (laughs) we talk about cancel culture and how you've really grown to hate it
0: Yeah. I just, what I want to lead home, I'm not going to say what I'm sick of seeing. What I want to see is people giving opportunities for growth, because if we're not giving opportunities for growth, how do we expect change? I I literally don't in my brain understand that because if you don't want to grow or let people grow, how can a system change? Because without growth, it's going to stay the same. So like, Maybe I need to learn something here and I'm totally open to that, but those two things don't add up to me. So if we're going to just cancel someone and not allow them an opportunity to grow, and I do understand on a level that will depend on what something's, what someone's done and that it takes time to build trust and how they react to it like i said they can take it as a learning opportunity or they can go the other route of defensiveness i think that all there's moving parts but just at the base of it i would like to see this world lead with a bit more compassion
1: yeah and we hear that from the bipoc community as well and and like bailey said it is a fine line of repeated racist actions and things like that but um Mm -hmm. like if i lived in today's day and age I would have and like cancel culture was like a thing I mean it is a thing but like I don't know what I'm trying to say I would be canceled basically because like, I've done some really terrible things in the past and done some really racist things so the accountability is really important the allowing space for change is the only way we're going to move forward as a society or else this is just going to turn into, like, a war, basically. I, I hate cancel culture. I hate it. But I also understand it. And I don't know if that's wrong to say. Do you get what I'm saying, Bailey, by that? Like, I get it. I think some people, maybe you have to edit this out. I think some people deserve to be canceled.
0: Okay, I I do get it. I do get that there are repeat offenders or like very severe. Severe? What? Severe offenders. But I think what I see in cancel culture now is like, it's every little thing. Like, I think there's a spectrum of cancel culture, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Okay, I agree with that. I think there's a spectrum. And I think that probably 75% of it is the spectrum that i'm not loving because i think it's things that we need to give people the space to grow from yeah yes Does that makes sense i'm
1: curious like this whole reality tv thing people losing their jobs from things surfacing what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah um I think the shows were very problematic to begin with. And I think I agree with the fact that some people need to be helped. Like, I I do agree. Some of those actions were very troublesome. But I also feel like society was glorifying Mm -hmm. it. They wanted it. They're part of the problem. I also think the network is part of the problem because I don't think that one person is responsible for all of the show's toxicity. And I think a lot of those shows are trying to change now and that some of those people are getting used as the examples. Yeah. The examples of what was wrong with the show and how they're fixing it. Whereas like they're part of it, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more that needs to change as well. Right. But all of the cancel culture is going on those people. That, that made it to the show. But there was an
1: editor. There was a filmer, the editor, the people who pre screen the shows, the approval process, who all let that through. And so like, where's the those line of people that are being held accountable versus the person in the public eye?
0: Totally. And not to say that a show being toxic is and changing their ways is any different than me having ignorance in the past and changing my ways. It's all growth and evolution. And that's what I want to see from everyone is just growth and evolution. So like I'm not holding it against them. And like I definitely see more problematic things now and I'm more aware of what I consume. Um, But, yeah, again, I think it's a spectrum. I think that, like, nothing is such a black and white answer. And I think that's what we need to take away from this is, like, it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's great to see the change and the growth. (sighs) I don't know. I always get nervous ending these conversations. And I just, yeah, I I hope that everyone, like, listening to this conversation can know that we are, are here to have the uncomfortable conversation we just did and it's all in efforts of encouragement and to show you you're not alone in this journey and that we as white people living in privilege have to keep doing the work and that there's going to be mistakes along the way 100 there was something that i said in this episode that is not going to resonate with someone and if it doesn't Please reach out in a kind way. I'm more than happy to take that learning opportunity. I always will be. Um, Maybe email me because sometimes I miss DMs. So you can totally email me, Bailey, at Play Digital Culture. Love to have a conversation with you. Um, But I wanted us to have this conversation because, again, I just think we've had a lot of these conversations on the podcast, but it's always been with BIPOC and them educating us. And I wanted... Us to educate our audience. I mean, yes. I 100% agree with you that it has a lot
1: of our conversations. Those tougher conversations have been with BIPOC. But we have we have talked to other people about it. Like, I remember we talked to Daniel Maltby about it. So, we are trying to be mindful of those things and be better with that. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Like, I showed up to this episode nervous, um, like definitely less nervous than last year but it's still scary but that just means it's really important to talk about these things and i'm really happy we did this episode and i'm excited to continue these conversations and also reach out to me my dms are a lot less busy than bailey so feel free to message me there but i know i said something wrong in this episode this is all part of the learning opportunities for both of us and i hope that you guys learned something from this episode or feel less alone and how scary this can all be I mean it hasn't been 365 days since this all happened so Mm -hmm. let's chat in another 365 days and see where things are at
0: yes and thank you friendships for listening and for hopefully holding space for us to make those mistakes um and for growing with us so with that we will Tell you to subscribe, <laughs> um, leave us a five star review, rate us, tell someone about this episode, share it with someone, or just go have a conversation or educate yourself or take something from this and have that conversation with a friend or family. Like, I just would love if everybody did something that they weren't planning on doing today to go move the needle just, even yeah more. always with the right intentions of like your why though don't just do it because we're saying it
1: please do s- some sort of action behind that 100 percent. if I, I just want to come from the right place but yes thank you for listening it feels awkward ending it on saying subscribe leave us a review and stuff but this is a podcast at the end of the day and thank you for taking the time to make it all the way to this end of the episode i think that says enough as it is of who you are and what you're committed to learning so we will see you next what day is it wednesday
0: Toodaloo. Toodaloo.